Hello and welcome to Mikey Pod Podcast, episode 233 for May 1st, 2017. Today's guest is musician, amazing person, longtime friend, and collaborator who I will be meeting in person in just a few weeks, Aben Crawford, who also produces music under the name Senator Jez. I am your host, Michael Herron. I'm a composer, pianist, electronic musician, storyteller, and activist based in New York City. And as such, I have a pretty diverse taste in things, some pretty diverse tastes in things. So on this podcast, you could hear guests like activists, musicians, pastors, authors, whatever else strikes my fancy. I've been sending this podcast to your ears for a little over 11 years. If you'd like to know more about me, stop by my website at michaelherron.com. Hit me up on social media everywhere as at Michael Heron. Leave a voicemail at 34748. What? I need reading glasses. 460. Is that right? Come on. Uh, yeah, that's probably it. 460-1753. Oh my God. My eyes. It's not even funny. Or email mikeypod at gmail.com. I guess it is funny. I don't know if it's my eyes or the new contacts I got. Things don't seem right. Uh, so luckily you can podcast and be a performer as a blind person. Cancel, cancel. Hello. Uh, I'm thinking of things. I should have pulled up some dates here, but uh, who cares? I am going on tour this summer. Before it was, uh, I'm planning a tour and setting dates and I don't have any money. Today, <laughs> not today. It was a couple of days ago I found out I got uh, a grant I had applied for um, from a well-fed world. Oh my God, what a great organization. Um, I asked them for money to help fund this trip and this tour, and it's it came through. So like, I don't know, like, all right, so here's what I'm doing. I'm going to take the time to explain this all to you guys, because I keep alluding to it and, and not really explaining what's happening. Starting in uh, June, I'm pulling up my calendar right now as I talk to you. <clears throat> Uh, very slowly, apparently. Uh, starting in July, I am going to start traveling. Uh, I'm starting in Houston, and then I'm going to go through Arizona all the way up the West Coast, visiting animal sanctuaries, performing my show, The Animal Show, which is a multimedia show, uh, storytelling, electronic music. I'll have string players wherever I can track them down in these cities. And um, so I'll be performing this show. And working at animal sanctuaries along the way. So I'll be staying with them. I'll be vlogging. Um <laughs> You guys, I'm really excited. Uh, so I'll be vlogging. I'm upgrading my camera uh, material so I can have like swank ass vlogs. Uh, thanks to this grant from A Well-Fed World. Did I mention A Well-Fed World? So I, I'm going to be speaking. <laughs> There's a, an organization in Houston that was like, can you speak at our, our event? So I'm going to be giving talks on combining arts and activism. So listen... This is happening now. Like, it's really exciting. Like, uh, I don't know how to put it all into words. I had this idea for most of my life that I wanted to do this type of performance work uh, with stories and electronics and um, music musicians, like acoustic musicians. Um, so I, some of you know this story, but I'm going to tell you anyway. So I did it. Like I finally <laughs> came to New York and was teaching and just things came up and I started like, you know what? I don't know what to do. So I'm just going to say yes. Uh, so I said yes to my friend who told me I should try to do a reading of my first show, Tentative Armor at uh, Judson Memorial Church. And they said yes. So I did this show not knowing what 
I was doing. So that became like a bigger version of that show, and that became an album and a book. And then it became the idea to be an animal uh, uh, artist in residence at an animal sanctuary. So I said yes to that idea and asked the people at Tamerlane Farm, who are amazing, um, if I could be their artist in residence. And they said yes. So then I said yes to going there every month as much as I could and writing stories and music about about the show, about the experience and, and my experience. And then I thought, what if I go do this at other sanctuaries? So I said yes, <laughs> and I started <laughs> planning it. And these sanctuaries want me to come, and I found locations, and I didn't have any money. So I started applying uh, for grants, really just one, with OL World, and they said yes. And they said, we loved your idea. We believe in you. <laughs> you guys, like, that's the thing. Like, I'm so psyched to have the money to be able to do this because I, I'm, I feel like this piece that I created, it's has the potential to change the world for animals um, and how people perceive animals. <sighs> I'm super wound up and excited about all of this. Uh, and, and I'm going to be able to tell other people, like other activists who are creative, like, oh, here's what I did. And it is very effective. Like, it's very effective to tell stories about how animals have um, affected my life and how they've shaped me as a person. You know, uh, it, you, it's in the show. <laughs> um, but I'm so excited to be empowering, like, have the potential to put, empower other activists who might have, like, some idea, too, to make a thing. <laughs> Uh, combining their activism or somehow advocating for animals with their creativity. <clears throat> and so now I'm going to get to go do that. I'm going to get to perform this show in all these different cities. Um, and <sighs> it's really happening. So it's not just some dumb dream. Like every time I come up with like an idea like this, I'm like, oh, don't be so dumb. Why don't you just be a teacher, which I love. Um, but there's more things I want to do. And now like... I'm going to be driving around the West Coast with like complete multimedia. Like I'm going to have my gear to do my show, which I'm pairing way down um, to just my laptop and a couple of MIDI controllers. Um, I'm going to have podcast equipment so I can interview uh, the founders of these sanctuaries. I can interview people like I'm going to be spending a lot of time with direct action everywhere when I'm in Berkeley I'm performing the show at the Animal Rights Center in Berkeley they're so generous and hospitable they're like yes come here yes like it's amazing um, and I'm staying in their house um, I can talk to them about like I don't know they're not like they're they're slightly um, a controversial group um, <clears throat> Though I'm starting to realize it's just a little cluster of people who think that they're controversial. And it's a cluster of people who tend to think everyone's controversial. And I hope I'm not starting anything with this. And I think some people have some very valid concerns about TXE. Anyway, that's not what this is about. This is about saying yes, and this is about doing things, and this is about being supported. And this is amazing. So um, let me look really quick at my calendar. Um, well, the first thing that's coming up is I'm going to be presenting at MoogFest with today's guest, Aben Crawford. Um, it's his, his baby. Uh, I'm going to be there like diving in and helping out as much as I can uh, in Durham, North Carolina, May 18th through 21st. Um, is anybody there? My neighbors are upstairs and they're having quite a fun day today. So I kind of 
I'm actually really into that. So after that, I've got a live version of this podcast, June 26th. Um, somewhere soon after that, I'm heading to Houston to give this talk on arts and activism uh, at the Houston Community College Conference Center. I'm telling you too many dates. You should just go to michaelherron.com and all of these dates are there. I'll tell you the cities. Well, the only cities on uh, the calendar are Durham, North Carolina, uh, New York, of course, Houston, uh, Berkeley, and back to New York City. Los Angeles is happening. I just have to nail down and absolutely confirm the location. And um, Portland is happening. I just have to confirm the date. Looks like it's going to be great. And potentially Reno, Nevada. Uh, there is a uh, vlogger that I really like called Tucker Rash. And he has a, uh, he on his vlog, he mentioned this space that looks so amazing. It looks like the perfect place to do the show. So I'm going to try to I haven't decided for sure if I'm going to jet over there. I would like to hit Seattle, but I haven't had a lot of luck. So if you're in Seattle and you would like to help me do this show and give this talk to, um, <clears throat> I would love it. So let me know. Oh my God, that's the updates. Guys, it's like, oh guys, I'm stopping singing guys. Y'all, I'm going to replace it with y'all. It sounds so corny, but it's a perfect, it's perfect. It's non, uh, I almost said non-denominational. It's not gender specific. It's inclusive of many people. Yeah, I love it. If you like this always free podcast or the many other things I create, tell a friend, leave a review, like, subscribe, all the things. And especially, especially now as I ease into tour time when I'm going to be doing mostly volunteer work and not getting paid. I'd love your support at patreon.com slash Michael Heron, where you can get access to all kinds of cool stuff in exchange for as little as a dollar a month. I'd love to connect with you there. It's going to be a fucking party in Patreon over the summer. I'm just telling you, like, that's going to be the place where I'm going to be sharing the most about the trip. There will be vlogs and podcasts and probably uh, blogs um, and performances and all that kind of stuff is going on. But there's going to be a whole new level of sharing within Patreon and I would honestly really love to have you in there. Um, anyway, I'd love to connect with you there. And I'd love your help in covering the expenses for this free podcast and the other content I create everywhere. Side note, the vlogs and all the things I create will be free. Uh, just different content will be in uh, Patreon. Enough about me and all of that stuff. Today's guest is Aben Crawford. And let's get right to it. We're f I forgot which song we were going to say went first. So here's a song by Senator Jez. And uh, you'll hear the name of it after we listen. Uh, thanks for listening. And, and thanks for hearing this somewhat uh, overexcited thing. Uh, it's just possibility becomes reality. It's like a very, <laughs> it's, it's so exciting. Um, so thank you. Oh, my God. I actually feel like I'm going to cry. Um, so thank you for listening to this and uh, thank you. Like some of you have been supporters of this podcast from the beginning. Like it, it's really amazing. Uh, so I, I thank you.
That was Sparkless Ignition from Senator Jez from the album Sounds from a Beautiful Dystopia. And joining me now is none other than Senator Jez. Hello. How are you doing? I'm doing fine. How about you? Uh, I'm doing fine, too. Thank you for asking. Uh, I can also say that your name is Aben Crawford. Yeah, like we all... That's <laughs> not a mystery. Nope, nope. Aben Crawford is how most people can find me. <laughs> um, amazing. So we've known each other on the internet for a really long time. I like, think like, uh, 2005, I believe. Yeah, like from the dawn of podcasting, basically. Yes. Uh, I've been feeling so nostalgic lately, so I'm glad we're talking during this. Because like, <laughs> you were one of the like, you were one, you you were on Pod Show, right? I was on Pod Show. I was uh, I was the second wave that went in. I wasn't that first wave. I was in the second wave that got into Pod Show. Yeah. So people who are listening, like actually, I have a lot of well, a lot in like <laughs> a large percentage of my listeners have been listening for a long time. I assume. Uh, so maybe I, I had to correct myself after saying a lot because I think a lot <laughs> and my number of listeners, it's not accurate. Uh, but like a lot of them probably have been around since back in the early days of, uh, podcasting, but I guess, so podcasting, oh my God, we're going like deep in the history. Uh, Dave Weiner and Weiner, W E I N E. Dave, Dave Weiner. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, um, what's his name? Adam Curry. Thank you. Started. <laughs> they invented podcasting, right? Uh, uh -oh. pretty much. Uh, Dave Weiner is the guy that invented RSS, if mm. I'm not mistaken. And using RSS is how podcasting came around. It was uh, time shifted, deliverable media at that point. And uh, Adam Curry worked with him and came up with one of the first podcatchers, which was how you would read an RSS feed and get the podcast out of it. I think it was called Extension back then. Oh, wow. Uh, and uh, so, yeah, those two guys were at the very beginning of podcasting. And there, there, there was there, there's some interesting little tidbits uh, that maybe a certain person may have aggrandized himself a little bit much in that, okay. in that but uh dave weiner is the guy that invented the delivery system that made podcasting uh a reality um i love it i love how subtle and really not subtle you're being <laughs> <laughs> well I, I think the i think the um the statute of limitations whatever you'd call that the gag order i think it's all i think it's all gone now that that that's all disappeared so oh thank goodness um <laughs> uh, so so we've known each other from since those days, like 2005. Um, yes. I, I don't, I think that I would thought of you as like this famous podcaster. And I guess maybe you were, I don't know. But at the time I was like, oh, I, I don't know. There was like the pod show people. I was like, oh my God, those are like the cool kids. So uh, it's just funny to think like, oh yeah, I guess we did know each other. But I felt like you couldn't know me because I was just, yeah. I was just a little hayseed from Houston, Texas. No, no, I I remember you well from back in the day. Uh, I I think I think our first interaction was is you put out a call for vegan mac and cheese one day, ah. and I sent you the recipe. And I think that that was I, that may have been our first interaction, which is I only knew you as a podcaster. Oh, that's amazing! I love it. You know, so I was already following you, but we had never interacted until you sent out. I think it was on Facebook and. My, my memory is going as, as, as I age, so I may be m missing a couple of beats there, but I do believe that may, may have been our first interaction. Uh, I, I'll buy it because I can't remember. <laughs> my, uh, your brain is retaining more than mine is. In that case, we'll just go with that as the story. Yeah, I'll never forget that time we interacted over vegan macaroni and cheese. 
Yes, well, yes. That was yes. so good. <laughs> <laughs> so we just listened to one of your songs. I, we have a lot to talk about. I want to talk about um, your music and uh, this project we have coming up. So let's talk about your music first since we just listened to it. The song right. we heard uh, was Sparkless Ignition. Talk to me about that song. All right. Well, uh, the, the larger project that I have here is uh, a new album, and it's called Sounds from a Beautiful Dystopia. And uh, unfortunately, I started talking about this about the time that the latest U.S. elections happened. So I want to get it out the way right at the beginning that Sounds from a Beautiful Dystopia has absolutely nothing to do with politics in the United States right now. <laughs> Although <laughs> you, could make, you could make that assumption. Sounds from a Beautiful Dystopia is a soundtrack for a movie that has never been made. Uh, it's, it's my soundtrack to a Blade Runner movie that nobody's ever made. And uh, it's just, if that movie was made, these are the sounds that I would want to hear in it. Now, I always had intentions of putting the album out, but as you may know, the project we're about to talk about came up, and that kind of put a little bit of a, a time limit on what I could do, because I really want to get stuff out before this project we're about to talk about. So I'm actually piecemealing the album out slowly with singles, and then I'm going to, as soon as I get the chance, finish it up and then put the album out as a whole piece. So the singles that I have coming out right now are actually songs from Sounds from a Beautiful Dystopia. And it's as simple as that's just a soundtrack to a movie that, that I really want to see. But I'm not a movie maker. I'm a musician. So we're halfway there. Yeah, but you make very cinematic music, I must say. You know, I made a big mistake. Um, Senator Jez, as a character, as a musician, however you want to put it, that name dates back to 1994 in Germany when I used to live in Germany. So Senator Jez has been around for a while. But back in those days, A, I wasn't recording music. And then when I did start recording music, uh, this was still when I was in my punk phase. I, I'm, an, I'm an old school punk. Mm -hmm. But I also always love Ben Gellis, uh, Jean-Michel uh, Jean Jarre, Brian Eno. That was always a massive attack. Uh, Aphex Twin, the, uh, Gary Newman. These are all influences that I had, even though I was an old school punk. But I was an old school punk back in the day when the technology didn't exist for me to do this kind of music without dropping a lot of money, which I didn't have. Yeah. So, uh, so the name Senator Jazz kind of bounced around. But when I started actually recording what I'm doing now, which I do believe, if I'm not mistaken, maybe four years ago, it was after I got out of podcasting and I was like, well, I've really learned how to use, um, you know, the, the, the DAW, the digital audio workstation. Yeah. So let me see. Let me get back to recording. But unfortunately, I didn't stay true to my principles at that time. And the first, the first album I put out, which I'm, I'm not ashamed of, but I was really going for something that wasn't my sound. And that was more of a dance, a dance type thing because EDM was really starting to drop at that time and things. And uh, I wish I would have jumped more into my sound back then, but I wasn't sure of myself. And uh, I came out with stuff that I would have done differently back then. But now I'm starting to, if I would dare use the term mature, I'm starting to mature into the sound that I really wanted to do all along. Uh, that must be a satisfying feeling. It is. It is. But I think that I, that those missteps in the beginning may be making things a little bit harder for me now because, um, uh, I still get introduced as, oh, he's that DJ. And I really don't DJ. I did DJ yesterday, but <laughs> I DJ maybe two or three times a year just for a thing or two. But yeah, I yeah. still trying to ditch that stigma as the, um, producer DJ that 
I kind of accidentally fell into about four years ago. Oh, uh, yeah. That's funny. Uh, just for the sake of whatever, I don't think of you that way. I think of you as making like interesting, diverse electronic music. So, well, I really appreciate that. Thank you. That's yeah. kind of what I'm going for. <laughs> and you have success as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> well done. Uh, nice to know. Well, let's talk about um, our... I love the way we're talking about this this project that we haven't named yet. I almost like... And let's just leave it hanging. Tune in next right. week to discover what the project is. No, let's talk <laughs> about it. We're going to be at Moogfest. Or do you say Moog or Moog? Uh, Moog. Okay, sweet. I, I go by the pronunciation on the YouTube video where Bob Moog actually says his name. So <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's what I, I say Moog, and then people are like, what? And I say Moog, and they're like, oh. Ah, yeah. yeah. It's not a cow with a G. It's Moog. Moog. Yeah. So we're I'm I'm joining your uh project. You're doing this for a second year. Um yes. I'm so excited. I when I got my plane ticket to go see you and do this, I was like, oh. This, well, I'm doing a thing. This is going to be great. So uh, for the sake of the listeners who I, I don't know if I've even mentioned this on the show yet. I think I, I may have mentioned it briefly. Um, will you uh, tell us what, what we're doing? Sure. Um, well, if you don't mind, let me go back one year. Do it. And uh, so I work at the North Carolina Museum of Natural Sciences. And I have to say that I'm lucky enough to have fallen into a day job where I get to do on my day job what I do the rest of my time, which is create music and sounds and soundscapes. And I get to do it for a, a, a world-class natural science museum. But one of the things that we had last year was called um, Extreme Mammals. It was a traveling exhibit from the American Museum of Natural History. But we added our own exhibits to it. And one of the things that I got approved by the museum was I created this thing called mammal music. And I took a Novation launch pad and I, lo I loaded the app on an iPad. And then I created some uh, piano music, uh, some bass and some rhythms. And I, and I put that into the app. And then I also put ambient sounds and animal sounds, mammal sounds and to be clever, I went ahead and auto-tuned all the animals to see. So now we can we can actually say that animals have been auto-tuned. Uh, and I put nice. this together and I made a DJ station for children. And it was very popular as part of that exhibit. The kids loved it, everybody. But Moogfest got wind of it. So Moogfest asked through the museum if we could bring mammal music to Moogfest last year. And I took that as my opportunity to pitch... Lorna Rose Simpson, who is the one who is the lady that's bringing us back this year, and she's really awesome. I use that as my opportunity to pitch what I called at that time the 10 minute music station, which is a workshop I had been putting together, which I would bring up people maybe three to five at a time. And then I would teach them basic multi tracking over 10 minutes and we would make an eight to 16 bar loop. And it was a pretty big hit last year at Moogfest. I also brought it to a couple of other things. I uh, even brought it to what's called the Animal Orchestra at NC State down here with the Raleigh Civic Orchestra. Now, that instance is what led to what we have this year, which is a change from last year. Uh, so actually, I brought, that, I brought the program there, but I also did bring mammal music there. And the students at NC State loved mammal music. And the people that were there to watch the, the symphony loved mammal music. But then some of the actual symphony performers came out 
And we're talking classically trained musicians here. Mm-hmm. We're talking people that in their sleep can perform music better than I can. Okay. Because <laughs> right. I'm, I'm, I'm one of those people that realize my limitations and I am not as I am nowhere near the level of musician that these folks are. But they were afraid to touch mammal music. Uh. And when I finally got them up to touch mammal music, they didn't know what to do. Uh, they would be like, oh, I don't know. I don't know. And, and I, it sounds like I'm making fun of them. But actually, one of the people was actually saying that. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. So I, uh, I hit a rhythm. I'm like, OK, we got a rhythm here. Now let's choose a melody to go with that. And they turned off the rhythm. And I'm like, okay, that's not how it works. So I hit a melody. I'm like, we got a melody. Now let's find the rhythm. We're going to work with this. And they turned off the melody. And then they ended up just walking away from it. Uh. And, and it hit me at that time that I wanted to take this little workshop that I had, which I thought was just cool because I'm going around teaching people the basics of Ableton Live, basically. Just teaching them basic multi-tracking and how to make a loop in Ableton Live. And it hit me. I really wanted to make this more of an educational opportunity And I really want to focus on band kids because somewhere along the line, I I have nothing against musical education. I'm self-taught, but I have absolutely nothing. I wish I knew more. But the one thing that I don't like in in, in classical classical musical training, and not just classical, I mean traditional music training, is is sometimes the creativity gets taken away from the from these kids. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they don't realize that they have this instrument in their hand, and they don't have to play what's on the sheet music. They don't have to wait to be told what to play, and they don't have to be wait to told what they're to be told what they're playing is correct. And I've I've been able to take the um take this to a local high school already and it's 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 a big hit in that in that uh frame i get kind of side eye from some of the instructors but uh, i don't really care about that my thing is and that's why this year to make a long story short our uh what we're presenting this year is now called no permission needed create mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. i love it i and i i can relate so well because i was classically trained um even when i was like teaching myself to play the piano, I was like, oh, I'm going to get a book that shows you what to do and I'm going to follow what the book says. So to this day, I'm not as bad as I used to be about like if someone hands me a chord chart, I don't have like the major heart attack like I used to have of like, I don't know what to do. There's no notes here. I can't just. <laughs> um, but it's it's really interesting. And I love this because it, like getting out from under that, that uh, sort of uh, st- uh, rigidity, I guess, is the word I'm looking for about music. Um, has really changed m- me as a musician and as a person. Like, and now I'm like, oh, I can do that thing I've been afraid of for all these years. I just have to keep trying to do it. Like, uh, it's great. So I, I'm super happy to be on, on yeah. board with this. Well, well, it's weird because if you talk to um, a lot of classically trained musicians, they they take the line, well, you need to know the rules and then you can break them. And I kind, I kind of, I'm right now actually um, taking some courses and things to learn the rules better than I do. So I'm going at it from the exact opposite way. I started as a punk. I broke every rule possible because I didn't know the rules, but now I'm learning the rules. So, it, you know, it, it's all how you come to it. <laughs> yeah. And, and I think all of that stuff is just bullshit. Like. Like, come, like, learn music however you're, you want to learn it. Like, and especially in the way the world is now, like, I learned Ableton Live from, oh, I read one book that that just talked me through a bunch of stuff. And then if I wanted to do something, I looked on YouTube and was like, who knows how to do this? And made a tutorial yep. about it. Just, I, I learned, and it's very, like, it makes me think a lot of how Maria Montessori, because I taught at a Montessori school forever. And her whole thing was follow the child, like, present a bunch of different 
uh, ideas, and whichever one the kid wants to learn about, help them down that path, which that, is that, like makes total sense. It does. Uh, it uh, like. I also do a program with Dr. Roland Case. I actually have two programs with Dr. Roland Case, who is uh, the head of our bio lab at the Museum of Natural Sciences. And the one one of the things I'm doing is is he has the Eastern Coyote Lecture, right? Mm-hmm. And it's him him on the stage, mm-hmm. and he's projecting his stuff behind. And we came up with the idea, like, what if I put a live soundtrack to that? And we've been performing that. Uh, now, it's really interesting because before the before we start the program, I tend to just put on a loop of some of my music. And uh, one of the one of the music uh, students at NC State uh, came up to me sheepishly after uh, after we had wrapped up and everything. He says, uh, that music that you were playing before, uh, that that's your stuff, right? I'm like, yes. And I already knew what the question was. And uh, this is actually um, one of the songs that you commented on on SoundCloud. And I think your comment was that I have an interesting way of melody and rhythm. <laughs> and uh, I put it together and it kind of fits weird or, or something like that. Wait, but that did that sound like I was being like, oh, that's really interesting, like in a gross way? It actually sounded very supportive. I took it as very supportive. <laughs> yeah. But I, I okay, knew good. the song he was talking about because I actually did the melody in that, I believe, in either C harmonic minor or C minor. Mm-hmm. But I absolutely know that I did the bass line in E. And I did that because I actually recorded the song separately. And I put the pieces together and I forgot that I had done one part in C minor or C harmonic minor. And I forgot <laughs> that I had done the E, the, the, the bass in E. I think that's what it was. I'm, 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 I'm a little confused. That was a long, a long time ago. And uh, he basically pointed out, uh, because, of course, he's an he's a actual music student. He can catch all that by ear. I don't have that superpower. But, uh, but I knew that's what he was going to talk about. And he kind of had this look on his face. I'm like, yeah, but here's the thing. When I put it together... For some reason, it worked. <laughs> yeah. So again, the, the rules were completely broken. They were completely thrown out there. And it was a complete accident that I did it. But I put the song out as is because I didn't really feel like fixing it. It kind of just worked the way it was. I love those accidents. And it, to me, like, it, I loved it. <laughs> like, And I think it's really cool. And I think it's that, uh, yeah. And that, uh, whatever. <laughs> I remember, like, when I was, I went to um, Houston Community College. Uh, once I, I, I had my, my 20s, my early 20s were riddled with lots of partying and lots of flunking out of school. When I got sober and w- decided to go back to school and study music, I went to Houston Community College, and my I had a composition teacher who was also a music director in the in working at all these little like just sort of small theaters, and it was this cool experience of being with a uh, with people who were working in the business that I wanted to do, and every everyone was like creative and really cool. And then I transferred to University of Houston, and suddenly it was like the all the life was like drained out of everything. Like <laughs> I had like. Oh, it was terrible. Like th- it felt like there were all these rules that were a secret, and you just had to get them right. Or I don't, I don't even know how to explain. It. Like I had one day, I had um, we played juries at the end of every um semester, and I had like we I'd been playing this uh, Beethoven sonata, and I had to, and you have to play for the entire piano faculty at the end, and they all like critique your playing. So it's no stress, that, right? Yeah, not at all. And um, <laughs> and I was also playing this Samuel Barber piece, and one of the teachers was like, "Oh, you're playing this piece? I knew Samuel Barber." Blah blah blah. And I'm like, "Oh 
fuck, I can't. But <laughs> so that same day, the my I went. I had a piano like lesson with my professor, and I started playing this piece we'd been working on all semester. And he started freaking out. I think he was stressed out about his colleagues seeing his students play too. But he was like, "You can't play Beethoven like this," and all this stuff. I was like, "What? What are you talking about? I don't even know." Like, and I was all internalized. Anyway, like experiences like that, like who cares? Like, do you think Beethoven really cares? Like how my phrase, like, I don't know. Like maybe Beethoven would want me to do some different phrasing than everyone's been doing for hundreds of years. I don't know. Anyway. So (laughs) I I feel like I went down a little bit of a tangent there, but. uh, No, I completely understand where you're coming from though. Sometimes I see people that teach music and I ask, and, and I just think to myself, when is the last time you've went to a concert that wasn't played off of sheet music with a conductor? Yeah, because when you go to a concert, the energy has absolutely nothing to do with how great the music was played. <laughs> you know, yeah. And you go, you know, if you when you go when you go to a less structured concert, you just have fun. But uh, you know, when you're in the academic world or when you're in that situation, um, that, that that's what I think. I that's what I think I was I was experiencing with the with the orchestra uh, folks uh, from the Raleigh um, Raleigh Civic Orchestra. I want to get that right. Uh, and I'm again, these are people that can in their in their sleep can play better than me but it's so sad when i see people that talented that just don't realize that their fingers and their bows and whatever else they're playing up there they don't have to they don't have to sit, stick to a set pattern yeah yeah just run with it just run with it you know yeah but it's so <laughs> like but that's the thing like they've learned and they figured out whatever that is about music like the way it's like quote unquote supposed to be done when you present them with something that's brand new to them and pretty new just to the music world when you think about it, they're like, well, I don't know the right way to do this. You can't just throw me up here to do this thing that I've never done. I, I need to know how to do it right. But there is no right. That's the whole point. No, there's just a uh, different. Yes. I, I have a thing. I used to be that guy and I am not that guy anymore. It's one of the self-improvement things I've been on a kick for the last 15 years of my life. I used to be the guy where if I heard something and I didn't like it, the first thing that I thought was that had no reason to exist, Ah, (laughs) you know, music wise. But over the last 15 years, especially uh, doing the indie music blast and then now producing my own music, this is something that I think needs to be drilled into people, not just musicians, but with everybody. There is actually no music that sucks. There's only stuff you don't like. Exactly. You know, uh, if 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 one person in the world likes something that another person is doing, then that validates what that person is doing. Yep. You know, and and uh, it, it's kind of a dare I dare I get all metaphysical and stuff. It's a it's a uh, removing of the hardness of the heart. There, you know, it's like we're don't be narcissistic, okay? Understand <laughs> that stuff exists and it it has every right to exist. Yeah, you know, like uh, there are two things that sort of made that shift for me because I used to be a big music snob and really I was like, oh, people pop music, blah, like. And like there was something wrong with people that would like something like that. <laughs> right. Like, so there's a video, Zay Frank, I think that's this guy's name. Do you know who I'm talking about? He makes YouTube I, I videos. I do, yeah. Yep. Have you seen his Don't Yuck My Yum video? I have not seen that one. No, oh my I, I God. do know of him. But. It's so good. He's talking about how when he was a little kid, he liked stickers. And he liked stickers with like kitty cats and like rainbows and all this stuff. And he loved so them. So the internet was made for him, in other words. Yeah. <laughs> so he was collecting these stickers, but his dad was like, like telling him, like, you can't do that. That's for girls. 
and he had this thing that he really loved and suddenly it was ruined. You know, and he's like, why do we do that to each other? Why do someone like something you don't like? Why do you tell them it's bad? And like, I like seeing that made me like, oh shit, that's what I'm doing to people who like, whatever, Katy Perry. And then like letting go of that made me able to listen to Katy Perry and be like, oh, this is actually pretty good. (laughs) And Um, I had a Beyonce moment too. When she, there was something that I was like, oh, why is everyone like, so I, I got so mad that people like Beyonce and I, and I tried to listen to something. I was like, well, let me see if I can get this. And I still didn't get it. I can't remember who even said it to me. And I was like, I just don't get it. And then someone was like, maybe that isn't for you then. That's it. Like, listen to something else. And it, it's strangely empowering to be like, oh yeah, I don't even have like this. I don't connect with this music. I'll find something else that I connect with. And that's uh, uh, a good example of this is I know for a fact that you're a major fan of Yoko Ono. Yeah. Yoko Ono is somebody that doesn't resonate with a large majority of people. Now, <clears throat> I say this as a person that back in the day when I got double fantasy, I only listened to half the album. But these days I can listen to the whole album because now I can appreciate Yoko Ono. Yeah. Is, it, 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 there, there's growth in there because you're never going to be the same person you are tomorrow that you are today. But a lot of that came from the fact that I gave up that whole idea that there was right and wrong music. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's like a really simple, perfect way to put it, like giving up that there's right and wrong music. Like there's just music. And Exactly. Yeah. We're getting into some deep shit today. Ah, yeah. <laughs> Don't know if that was meant, but man, here we go. No, I love it. I love this type of topic. I like, especially the way, like, being able to like, sort of tell on yourself, right? Like, oh, I snapped out of that, and I'm really happy I did, because <laughs> it's easy. Like, and I think part of, like, I always liked Yoko Ono, and I, of course I still do, but I think I loved the fact that I loved something that a lot of people didn't. Like, not very many people did. It made me feel very special. Now I'm just like, oh, yeah, I think she's badass, and I don't care. Who hates her? <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I, I mean, even take, taking this a step deeper, uh, there, there is a part of all of us that want to feel uber special, right? And we want to feel like we have something that nobody else has. And we all go through that. But I, I know that you and I are like within a year of each other in age. So I'm not going to give that away or anything. But uh, <laughs> I, think that, I think that that's one of the things that people may label as wisdom. As you start to get to the age that we're arriving at right now, you start to realize how little so much of that stuff actually matters. I love and I'm taking it to, oh, so I'm not better than everyone because I listen to better music. I'm better than them because I'm wiser now. Perfect. <laughs> See, there you go. <laughs> it's all how you frame it. Yeah, perfect. As long as there's a way I can feel superior, I'm totally good. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. <laughs> oh, my As you God. get older, you lose fucks to give. It's absolutely true. <laughs> it's really interesting, too. I, I had, uh, oh, this is another thing. Um, I, I don't, I'm okay revealing how old I am. Are you? Yeah. Fine. Okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm 48. Yeah. And I'm 40. Oh shit. <laughs> I'm 47. I think I'm turning 48 or I'm 48 turning 49. No, I must be turning 48. We were June. both born in 69, but I was born before you. <laughs> okay. So I must be 47. Yeah. That's, I a, think so. that's the thing that happens to old people too. Isn't it? Like, I don't know how, how old I am. I, you know, sometimes I, it, okay. I'm giving it away here, but every now and then I'm like, I'll look at the calendar. I'm like, Wait a second. Oh, yeah. I'm zeros on the nines. Okay, there we go. I'm zeros on the nines. Wait, I don't even know what that means. I, 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 I'm a 10, 20, 30 on the nines. Going to be 50 on the next nine. Oh, got it. 
Oh, zero. Okay, now I get it. Oh. But I every now and then have to have to do the math. I'm yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> oh my God. Oh, when I, the thing I was gonna say in my forties, like right when I turned forty, I'm I'm curious if this happened to you. I had like this whole period for at least a year, maybe two years, of feeling like, okay, that's it. Start wrapping things up. You're gonna be dying soon. Like yeah. you're well, old. Like and if you well, had a dream, let it go. You're done. Well, it's transformative because, you know, then you get past 40 and you realize I really don't feel old. Okay, don't get me wrong. The things I did when I was young to my body are now starting to catch up with me. But in the mind, I don't feel old. And, uh, you know, then it starts to hit. I mean, okay, I used to have this show that I used to love. I think it was in 1975. It's called Space 1999. Mm -hmm. And one day I asked my mom. So I was six years old at that time. Right. I asked my mom, I'm like, mom, how old am I going to be in 1999? And she said, you're going to be 30. And I was devastated. I went to my room (laughs) and I cried because I'm like 30. Oh my God, what the hell is 30? Well, then 30 came and I had like the, like two months of, oh, I'm 30. Then 40 came and I had like two months of, oh yeah, I'm 40. And now I'm realizing that not to get too weird here but you could be in your 90s and you may only have a goal of getting one more solid bowel movement but my god you have goals up (laughs) until you die you know it's not over you know i mean okay we're written off by everybody under 30 now you just got you just got to accept that we're old to them but they're not our audience anymore because we're looking for (laughs) more mature tastes now i guess or something yeah whatever Uh, whatever gets us out of bed in the morning right (laughs) yeah it's really like it's so getting older is so uh surreal like for that reason like i don't feel like i thought i was gonna feel when i was in my 40s right but i'm in my 40s and everyone knows i'm in my 40s so Sometimes I'm like, well, oh, am I supposed to start acting like I'm in my 40s? That doesn't feel right either. Like acting in my 40s, like the way I thought in my 40s was this is well, getting I'm going back on myself. <laughs> say what you were yeah. going to say. Well, I just I just I just learned that I thought that by 40, you had to be a grown up. But now I realize by 40, you just have to adult properly. You can still be a kid. As long as you learn how to adult properly. So we learn how to adult, but you know, inside we don't have to be grownups. Yeah. You know, so adult rights. So that means you pay your bills. That means that you learn how to navigate a checkbook, which actually isn't that important anymore. Yeah. Uh, that's something from our youth, you know, oh my God. rotary phones, you know, oh, <laughs> but thank I mean, God you learn days. the skills to make it, but then you don't have to internally grow up. Yeah. You know? Keep, 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 keep that, uh, keep the flame going. Keep the, you know, you don't have to believe in unicorns, but damn, it'd be nice if they exist. Whatever it is, you know, yeah. you don't have to grow up, you know. Word. <laughs> Word. <Yeah. That's- laughs> I mean, I think yesterday, um, I said that, uh, I think I told you yesterday after, after the events, I said that, uh, being an artist isn't for wimps. And I actually borrowed that from another statement that I make. And that is grow, um, getting old is not for wimps. <laughs> yeah, it's the you truth. Know? But so much of it is easier too because the lack of fucks to give. You know, like exactly. Yeah, you know, it, it's almost like you are born with finite fucks. Right. So after you get them all out the way, it's it's honey badger time at that point. Mm. You know, <laughs> and I love a honey badger. Yeah, I mean, you you know, you 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 go through your youth at at least for me and. I cared way too much what people thought about me. I cared way too much about what people thought about the way I did things. I cared way too much about all that. Those 
those have all fallen by the wayside now. Those fucks do not exist anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I, wi- I wish I could have, I wish I could, if I had a time machine, I wouldn't go back to alter history. I'd go back to tell myself at 20, about, you know, just, just get rid of them right now. <laughs> yeah, but I don't think I would have listened. No, I wouldn't either. I was I was one headstrong fellow back in the day. <laughs> Even like, or always very pessimistic too. Like maybe. Well, I'm not. I actually, I'm way better than I used to be. But really, like, just I would have been like, oh, you don't know. Even I'm like, <laughs> and the old yeah. me would be like, I know. I'm you. It's gonna be fine. I would be <laughs> like, uh, I don't know. I don't think so. <laughs> you know, you you, you, you sometimes you uh, the youth you just can't get through to them, even if it's you. Yeah. That's the truth. <laughs> all, all, all you see is I'm going to look like that when I get to be that age. It's over. Yeah, forget it. <laughs> oh, God. Um, what happened to my hair? Uh, <laughs> oh, that I have that. Like, even though I knew, like in my 20s, I was losing my hair. Uh, uh-huh. it, 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 it still shocks me every now and then. When I look in a different angle, like I was, um, I was at the gym the other day and I was bent over doing push-ups and I happened to be in front of a mirror and I was like, Oh God, my head, like what happened? <laughs> Cause I never really see the top of my head. I'll, I'll give you some, I'll give you and your listeners some podcast gold right now. I'll make an admission right here on your podcast. You're wearing a toupee. No, no, but everybody, everybody see, well, I have no problem telling people that I'm an old school punk from back in the day. Mm-hmm. So people see that I wear my hair in a mohawk and they assume, oh, that must be, he's just reliving all his old punk days. <laughs> but, but no, I actually just found the patch of hair that actually still works. And I shaved everything else off and I ended up with a mohawk. Ah, so it's a functional. Mohawk. It's a functional, it's a functional piece of head art that also just happens to intersect with my old life as, as a, as a punk. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Listen, we've been talking for a long time. Well, not a long time, but, uh, I think we're, we're going to move into the wrapping it up phase. All right. If that's okay. That's fine. <laughs> um, well, oh my God. I pulled up the pot Moog fest. Uh, we will be what this is crazy. We've never met in person. We have never met in person. No. Well, we will we be are, meeting May. We'll be meeting May seventeenth, but Mogafest starts May eighteenth. It's kind of funny because we meet and then jump into the fire at the same time. Yeah, and it's gonna wow. We're gonna be like, <laughs> and for four days, what happens if we don't get along, Aben? Uh, we're well. We have we have another partner in Jacob, and him and Effie can keep us off each other. Okay, I have a feeling it's gonna be okay. I think we'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to be in Durham, North Carolina, May 18th through 21st at Moogfest. Um, I'll leave a, there'll be links on, at MikeyPod.com for the, in the show notes for this podcast. Um, if you want more details, people listening. And uh, where can we find you online? Uh, my website for my label, I have a label here in, Ra- in Raleigh. It's called Reaching for Lucidity. And that is reachingforlucidity.net. Also, you can search for me on SoundCloud, uh, Senator Jez, uh, Instagram. I'm pretty, I'm pretty active there. It's Senator Jez as well, and uh, you can find me on on all the major platforms: iTunes, Apple Music, Spotify, Bandcamp. So, uh, if you're interested, you can find my stuff. And the links to all of those places will also be in the show notes. So, support as always the artists you hear here on the MikeyPod.com podcast. And uh, we're going to listen to another track from you. This is called Star Stuff, and it has 
I don't have any details other than that, so you have to fill me in. All right. Well, Star Stuff is for a sa- for a, um, a song coming from an album called Sounds from a Beautiful Dystopia. Uh, this is a little bit more hopeful in tone. Uh, actually, I made this after working with our astrophysicist, Rachel Smith, at the museum, and I came up with the idea for the song. Uh, if you go to YouTube, there's actually a video attached to this. And thankfully to NASA making all of their uh, archival stuff uh, public domain, I was able to put together the star stuff uh, video for this. But this is really just um, my approximation of what space music would sound like. Um, I'm having a moment where I'm really upset that I haven't seen this video. I don't know how I missed it. Um, but I, I'll deal with that, those feelings later, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's on, it's on, it's on YouTube. Now YouTube <laughs> is under Abe and Crawford. I uh, started the channel way back when, so I never changed that over to Senator Jess. So if you are looking for the uh, video on YouTube, it's under Abe and Crawford. Got it. Um, I'll put a link to this too. I'm, I'm just feeling whatever. I'll, I'll have that feeling later. <laughs> uh, so thank you for joining me and, uh, I'll see you soon. Yes, we. Uh, it's getting it's getting close, my friend. It's getting close. Yes, it is. Um, and you're going to have a blast, by the way. You're oh going to have a blast. I can't wait. I'm so excited. So <laughs> excited. All right, so this is Star Stuff from Senator Jez.
That was Star Stuff from Senator Jez. I'll see you all in all the places where I'm going. MichaelHeron.com to find out dates where I'll be, all the places. And uh, you can follow me and write everything at Michael Heron. I'm on all the socials as that. And uh, send me an email, MikeyPod at gmail.com. It'd be great if you could review the podcast, if you enjoy it, and tell a friend and all that stuff. And I will see you next week.